your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Welcome back to Creators from the Crypt, where we invite creators to join us to talk about their horror-related projects. I'm your host, Saul. This is Greg. And joining us once more is David the Intern. How are you doing, David? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Thank you for joining us again. So today, we're going to be uh, looking at a project that has been already released since February of this year. We're going to be going back in time to the spring of 1865. The Southern Army is about to fall, and the Union has sent scouts into Virginia searching for a way to intercept and destroy General Robert E. Lee's rebel army to bring an end to the war. And um, that's just the beginning of this of this story, and it's called Old Hollow, a new Civil War horror story. And with us today to talk about this is Ambrose Stoker. Uh, Ambrose, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. So, uh, Ambrose, I uh, wanted to go ahead and just ask you a little brief history about yourself. How did you get started with the with the horror genre or with writing in general? Oh, well, it's a, a long story. I'll try to keep it short. Um, I, you know, I've been a voracious reader since a very young age, and um, you know, pretty early on, I uh, gravitated toward. Um, fantasy writing and horror and um, suspense writing, mysteries, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, the first, you know, many years that I was writing seriously, I was just writing kind of your, your quote unquote literary fiction. And I was working on a, a project, a book length project, and I got stuck and decided I would try my hand at uh, writing a, a ghost story because I had never written a horror story before. And I had always loved Stephen King and Richard Matheson and those guys. And nice. so I, I wrote a, like a 5,000 page, uh, 5,000 word story in a couple of days. And uh, a year later it was the first thing I got published and I had such a great time writing it that I just kept writing short stories in the horror genre and, I've pretty much just been writing uh, in that genre since then. Awesome. You said that first thing, that first one was written in a day. No, it was written over a couple of days. Oh, okay. uh, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> 5,000 words you said, right? <laughs> yeah, it was 5,000 words. So I wrote it, I think in about five or six days. If It was a long time. It was over 10 years ago. And what was, uh, what was the name of that story? Uh, the story was called Ghosts of Annapurna, and uh, it was published in 2010 by Ghostlight Magazine, which is uh, a publication uh, owned by the uh, by a, um, a horror writers association in in the Midwest. I think it's in Michigan, um, and uh, yeah, it's basically uh, about these uh, these two brothers. It's kind of a revenge story, and it takes place in uh, the Himalaya. And the, one of the reasons I wrote it is because I used, I live out in the Northwest and I spent a couple of years climbing some of the uh, mountains out here. And so I have a, a working knowledge of, of mountain climbing. And so I just thought it would be cool to combine those experiences with, uh, supernatural stories. I've always loved ghost stories. Oh yeah. I, I think, um, all three of us can agree that we've always loved, uh, ghost stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially blended into what we enjoy and what we see in real life. I, I, I think yeah. that's why it follows uh, actually really, really um, well received at the, uh, among us. Cause oh, great. It's, 
Yeah, it's um, not only is it a historic story setting, but you add the horror element to that over it, that puts it over the top. Oh, good. Well, I, I'm glad you guys liked it. So uh, what what can you tell us about Old Hollow? Uh, it's really it's a uh, it's a novella uh, set in the the uh, waning days of the Civil War. And it's really about these um, a, a, a small group of Union cavalry scouts who were highly mobile soldiers uh, in, during the Civil War. Uh, and um, they're out scouting looking for lee's army uh the cavalry back then was used for scouting and reconnaissance and things like that and so they're out looking for lee's army in the middle of the night and they get ambushed by a uh, a party of um, confederate cavalry and um you know one of the one of the members of the of the the union party is wounded and they escape into the forest and so the uh the captain uh of uh the scouting party uh is desperate to uh, find a place where uh, there might be a doctor or somebody to look after uh, his wounded man. And so they find this tiny little town on a map uh, and the map uh, the town is called Old Hollow. And so they go there, um, uh, even though they're behind enemy lines in the hopes of finding a doctor. And what they find is, uh, you know, a lot. It's just, way more horrible than anything they've seen on the battlefield. And if you know anything about the civil war and what conditions were like on the battlefield, that was pretty bad in and of itself. So think about how it would be if it was, if you encounter something much worse than that. This um, town of old hollow, I, I kind of see it as one of those uh, towns you see in a lot of ghost stories where they have that secret. You just don't know what it is and you're trying to yeah. figure out what that secret is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's something, you know, beneath the surface. It's got that creepy vibe. Like as soon as they roll up, like they, they, they kind of get into town. You start to feel like, mm. <laughs> where did uh, the idea of merging, you know, the civil war and the ghost, I mean, and you kind of already told us uh, the whole ghost story, how you like ghost stories, but how did this particular idea for old hollow come about? Well, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, in addition to being a, a big fiction reader, um, I'm, a, I'm a huge history buff. And so one of the periods of history that I just happen to know a lot about is the Civil War. I uh, read and wrote a lot about it um, in high school and college, and I toured all the Civil War battlefields in Virginia and Maryland and Pennsylvania when I was in my early teen years. Um, and so I've always had an abiding interest in the war. It, you know, it's kind of the def- a defining moment in American history and made us who we are today as a country, uh, for better or worse. Um, and so, you know, writing a story set during the war felt very natural to me. Um, I felt like I had a good command of the facts and that time and why the war started in the different um perspectives on the war and uh, why it was fought and that kind of thing. So writing it felt very natural to me. Um, you know, it's, uh, I just really, really love history. It's it's not actually the first story I've written that takes place in the Civil War. I, I had a, a story uh, published in Stupefying Stories uh, maybe two years ago called Reckoning in Spotsylvania, and it also takes place towards the end of the war, and it's told from the um, – the perspective of a, uh, a Confederate cavalry captain. Um, so yeah, I've, I've written a lot about 
the Civil War and I've combined horror and history quite a bit um, during my time writing in the genre. And how bets on this? <laughs> <laughs> how much research do you do to be, uh, I guess, to say um, to make sure you you get as as authentic to the setting, authentic to the time that that you're writing in? You know, um, it's definitely important, right? Because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to write a story set during you know, say the American revolution and have somebody with, you know, a Gatling gun or something because they didn't have them back then. Right. So you wanted to right. be historically accurate. Um, you know, for me, every story I write is different and the way I find my way into that story is different. Um, it always starts with the characters. Uh, uh, and then, you know, once I feel like I have a good story where I pretty much know the beginning, middle and ending, I'll start to write it. Um, the historical accuracy stuff uh, kind of comes later. Uh, I try not to bog myself down in, you know, worrying too much about whether they had a caliber Navy pistol uh, that I'm writing about in the story. I don't want to have to like go to Google and, and do a search for it while I'm writing. I try to just kind of write. And then, you know, maybe at the end of the night when my writing session is done, I'll go back and quote unquote fact check it to make sure that it's accurate. Um, but, you know, um, it's, it, you know, it's important to, to make sure that it's historically accurate. Otherwise the story won't be believable. And even a story with supernatural settings needs, needs to be grounded in some kind of reality that the re the reader buys into. Clearly you're a huge history buff and, uh, ghost story fanatic, but I also know you're a, a journalist uh, for part of your life, and I was wondering if that played a factor into the way you wrote the story, or if during that time you ever, um, like, covered war stories or things that led you down this rabbit hole of, of uh, war-related um, events. Yeah, um, so I was a, a newspaper reporter for about uh, 13 or 14 years, uh, and most of that was covering um, technology and business. Uh, and I actually work in the technology industry now. That's my day job. Um, but my first three years as a reporter, I was a cop shop uh, reporter. And so, you know, I covered a lot of crime and that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't say it necessarily influenced me uh, as a fiction writer. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I took away from journalism uh, was that um, – you know, whenever I got stuck writing a news story, it was invariably because I hadn't done enough reporting to really know what the story was about. And so the takeaway for fiction writing is, you know, oftentimes when I get writer's block, it's not really because I can't find the right words. It's usually because I don't know what happens next in the story. And that's when I get stuck. Um, so that's why I try and I don't plan out my stories that much, but I try before I start writing to um, really have a decent idea of what the beginning, middle and ending is. The ending is the most important part, especially in the horror genre, because there's got to be some kind of payoff for the reader, uh, whether it's, you know, a really gruesome ending or whether it's, you know, the final girl who gets away. Um, I don't think I've written any stories with the final girl, but you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Throw it back to what you were saying uh, about making sure you know that there's no Gatling gun during the American Revolution or 
I know there's a lot of people who make sure that, hey, well, you know, that gun, particular gun didn't come out till a year after the story set. Big mistake. Whereas I'm more of like, that really doesn't hinder the story. Now, if you, like you said, if there is a Gatling gun, when there's not going to be a Gatling gun, that's a little bit more of a mistake. So I, I'm, I'm always more for, for, um, what is it called? Uh, I forgive more when the story is when it's something small like that, that doesn't, as long as it doesn't like, um, make the story unbelievable and and i think that's what you said that that really is what you're 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 looking to to accomplish is to make sure that there's not something that that the story will take the the reader out of the story right correct that's absolutely right you know um whenever i i read voraciously right as any writer should and um you know as a writer i'm always looking to avoid the pitfalls uh, that lead to uh, any word or passage or plot point that would knock the reader out of the story. Because it, once you lose the reader, it's it's pretty hard to get them back. I mean, just kind of mm-hmm. think about what your own experience is like reading. You know, I'm pretty forgiving as a reader, actually, even though I write a lot. Um, if I think a story is really good and fun, uh, then I usually I'll keep reading it. But every once in a while, I'll come across a book where I'm like, how the hell did this get published? You know, this plot point is so ridiculous or, you know, this writing is just so bad. Uh, it's not worth my time. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely you're right. That's that's a, a key thing to remember when you're putting these kinds of stories together. And I think you do a really good job at the beginning of the story as to well, you talked about it. It's a, a scouts that get ambushed and one of them gets um, gets shot and, they, you know, they're trying to keep them alive. But they, they, they kind of throw it out there, you know, maybe we should leave them here and, and head and complete our mission. And they don't do that. But later on, we figure out why they don't do that. And so we, we you get across the, the, the reasoning without doing too much exposition just for exposition sake. Uh, and it's really, I think an, another character that's actually given us the reason for that. Yeah. I mean, there's any number of ways to tell a story and, you know, Benjamin Lawson, uh, the main character, the protagonist in old hollow is a, a deeply conflicted soldier. Uh, you know, he was a commander of a large group of men at, one point and he just saw too many of those men die under his command and i think um he just decided that he didn't he couldn't bear that kind of responsibility anymore and so he uh you know got a different kind of duty um the sad thing is it's actually it was actually more dangerous type of duty than what he was doing before but i think he kind of rationalizes in his own mind that you know, if I've only got five guys under me, um, then I only have to be responsible for five guys, not, you know, 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you actually see the, his thought process or at least what the other people's um, how we say it, the, the thought process of other people of what his thought process is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Otherwise, it's just a guy talking about himself. Right. So you have to <laughs> you kind of have to find ways to bring out different aspects of of the story um, or, uh, you know, of the, of the characters. Uh, so I'm glad you guys felt that it came across in a natural way and it wasn't forced and it wasn't, you know, oftentimes you'll read a story and you'll be like, Oh, this is where they tell me what the story is really about in these three paragraphs. 
Yeah, no, it was a uh, it was a, a nice uh, commodity of uh, characters to uh, to to the development and, and storytelling. All I mean, the the amount was was a nice was a nice amount, and for the amount of uh, amount of story that was there, it was a, a very well rounded story. Great, Not, awesome to hear. And 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 the characters, I mean, you get one. Um, who is very what is it um gentleman-like you know very very down to the down to the books and then you have another one who says i'm not a soldier i'm a farmer um and you see the difference in the way they react to people around them yeah you know i mean jordy lightfoot is was a hell of a fun character to write his Petois was really felt very natural to me um i hope it didn't come across as you know like stereotypically southern um but um you know he's a very kind of salt of the earth type of guy and i think he uh you know he and lawson complement one another really well uh and work together well yeah what was it like trying to avoid sort of like the stereotypical tropes of a horror story um because you don't do that at all i mean there's this great narrative and all these characters do compliment each other back and forth but you know as we can all to attest to there have been a few horror tropes that kind of get old or like uh this is a bad horror movie or book so where did that line up when you were trying to plot out this this worldly story wow that's a great question you know um it's a fine line that you have to walk as a writer because really there aren't any new stories out there, right? I mean, we've been telling as a race, we've been telling the same stories for thousands and thousands of years. And so you kind of, the things that make them fresh are um, what you as a writer bring to them personally. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't uh, think about that too much when I'm writing a story. I just kind of, come up with a sense of whether it's good or not and whether uh, it's not, you know, totally cliche, you know? So that's kind of how I approach it. Um, I mean, you know, Old Hollow is a, a story that is, it's been told many times before in many different ways, you know, whether it's uh, soldiers who, happen upon a town that they at first think is going to be their uh, solace and turns out to be their death or whether it's a group of teenagers whose car breaks down on a highway and they're desperate for, you know, a phone and they end up in somebody's house where it's a bunch of cannibals or something. So it's kind of the same principle. Um, so I just think you have to try and find fresh ways to tell the same stories over and over again. Um, you know, there's there, there's got to be new zombie stories out there and new vampire stories and new werewolf stories. Um, I haven't written any of those yet. Uh, I, I don't tend to go towards zombies and werewolves and vampires just because there's so much of it out there. Um, for me, I just wanted to write something about a town that wasn't what it seemed and that's kind of how i found my way into the story that's that's actually what what i liked about this story is it was it was slightly different than your your average fare and and like i said before and it's in its short amount of uh uh uh, um you know it being a novella um it it lended itself to uh, a nice a nice read 
um, that you could just jump into and, and get lost in for the time you're with it. Um, and that's what, that's, that's what kept me with it and, and made me like, Oh wow. Okay. This is, this is a fun, this is a fun time in saying that. Have you thought about, um, anything with this afterwards, like say a film or anything like that, perhaps? Uh, you know, I, I, I haven't, um, it's funny because you're not the first person to ask me if, you know, is there going to be a sequel or something like that uh, or a prequel? I don't know. Um, I've gotten questions about, you know, where did the antagonist preacher John come from? Why, mm-hmm. why is this town under the control of this man and these supernatural forces that he seems to have struck an agreement with? And the answer is, as a writer, is I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't think that far back. Um, it and it wasn't important for the purposes of this story, but you know, there's probably grist there for another story, you know, as for a sequel, I don't know. The only thing I can envision is, you know, maybe a story where Jordy Lightfoot returns with a regiment of cavalry and they burn that fucking town down to the ground. Um, Cause that's something he would do. Um, or I don't know, maybe, you know, a hundred years later, there's like a return to old hollow story and, the town is still there, but it's become modern in some way. And I don't know, maybe a couple of teenagers' cars breaks down and they find their way into Old Hollow. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would wouldn't mind seeing a uh, a prequel or a sequel type of um, story. And and when I say sequel, it doesn't necessarily mean um, follow up with the same characters. Uh, I think a follow up with the, the town itself, um, with new characters, might might well very well do. Uh, you know, one interesting thing is, well, I don't want to do the spoiler. I had like two endings for the. Um, for the story and I probably can't go into it cause I don't want to do spoilers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had one ending that, I mean, the ending for the story is gruesome no matter what, but, um, you know, I had, I had two different endings, uh, uh, with, um, very varying levels of survival for the, uh, the good guys. Maybe a alternate ending version or a, a, a special version that has both endings, something like a DVD kind of thing. I know. I should put it like in the ebook or something because um, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the publisher for the book, is, I should definitely um, give a shout out to them. Um, the book is, uh, being, is published by an indie publisher uh, called Radiant Crown Publishing. And, and the uh, woman that I worked with is um, – she was really awesome. Uh, they, they are really uh, focused on telling stories uh, that, you know, have diversity and are, uh, you know, told from the point of view of characters that you don't hear uh, as much from. Uh, so, you know, I'm not really sure how Old Hollow fits into that. I think they just liked the story a lot, but they've got some really great books out. And so I would definitely encourage your listeners to, to check out Radiant Crown, because in addition to my book, they've got some other some other stories out there that I think are pretty awesome. And they're they're just getting going. So I'll make sure to, to provide the link in the description. Yeah, please do. Yeah. That's uh, one great thing about your book was uh, like how colorful the language was I mean, we talk about gruesome but i could really like visualize what was happening there so i was wondering mm-hmm. um like what made you think to write it as a novella rather than you know go for a full novel or 
you know, we talk about comic books, so you maybe in that sort of uh, a medium for the story. Yeah, I mean, so I've always been. It's funny you mentioned that because um, you know, I'm 44, and so I grew up watching movies and television and reading comic books. I was a huge comic book fanatic when I was a kid, and so I. There's a long way of saying that I am very visual. Uh, as a person. And I think that comes across in my writing. Um, you know, uh, so it, I think it just kind of happens naturally. I kind of picture things in my mind. And to be honest, as a writer, I don't struggle with the words that much. And it might it might be because I'm just not one of these writers who uh, gets anything out of being like a tortured artist. I don't believe in the perfect sentence or the perfect paragraph or, or even the perfect story you know i'm just trying to write something that i would want to read and so old hollow is definitely the kind of story i would want to read that's awesome definitely and, and um the whole novella thing i actually like the length of novellas more than with novels not only because i can finish them faster but i just feel that the when when I read a novella and it kind of just drops you in the situation uh, for a brief moment, I just find it more satisfying to myself uh, rather than reading the whole novel. I don't I don't know if I'm alone in that, but let's just say for like Stephen King, um, I'm a big fan of Stephen King. I enjoy his short stories and novellas rather than um, I, I mean I enjoy his novels, but I enjoy his short stories and novellas a lot more than the, the full length novels. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm a big Stephen King fan, too. Um, and I feel like short stories are kind of like a dying art in some yeah. way in uh, the American literary landscape. Um, I mean, I know there's still a lot of publications across a variety of genres that uh, you can find short story outlets for. But I just kind of feel like um, from a publishing perspective, it's really hard to find a publisher who, and I mean like a, 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 a big New York publisher like Random House or Viking or somebody like that who will publish short stories from new and emerging writers. You know, mm -hmm. the, the time when Stephen King was coming up in the 70s, the short story was kind of at its apex. Um, and I agree. You know, I, I love writing short stories. I love reading them. Old Hollow uh, – it went through four drafts before I uh, started submitting it to uh, publishers and to magazines. And um, I find it very hard to write a 5,000 word short story. I don't know why that is, but I've written a very few of them. I've had 13 stories published, including old hollow over the last like eight years. And the vast majority of them are, at least like 10,000 words. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm long winded or something, or I just, <laughs> I think of, of stories that are kind of grander in scale than, you know, one can write in, in 5,000 words. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the novella is a great, one of the reasons I, I, I liked writing this book is because again, it's something I would want to read. And I, sometimes I just, want to plow through something real fast and get a kick out of a story. And so something like old hollow or a graphic novel or something like that is definitely um, fun to sit down and read with a cup of coffee or glass of whiskey mm -hmm. or whatever your poison is. I, I think the reason why you might have trouble limiting it to 5,000 is because we, we, we brought it up before you are able to describe 
the setting very well, which um, I, I I was thinking to myself is very um, reminds me actually of the way Stephen King writes because Stephen King will write like five pages of just uh, the setting in a in a in a uh, in an office or something like that, you know, yeah. describing every little thing in the office. And um, while sometimes it can get to be a lot, um, I I always feel like it, it it fits for the story what he's saying. Yeah, I always think of. Um the passage in uh, the novel it where he describes the contents of one of the main characters, medicine cabinets mm-hmm. goes like on and on about, I mean, the guy, the character is a hypochondriac, right? So it makes sense that he's got like every painkiller and nasal decongestant known to mankind in his medicine cabinet. But I just remember reading it. I was like, wow, this guy is just like going on and on about all the medicines this guy has in his cabinet is getting a little ridiculous. But it brings the, the, the character to life and you get yeah. to know the character yeah. so much. Yeah, he writes about a lot of people with extreme, you know, he, he writes a lot about extreme characters and people that mm-hmm. are on the uh, fringes of society or have, you know, extreme psychological uh, conditions. Uh, and, you know, hypochondria is definitely one of those things. So is there um, anything that we want to add about Old Hollow that we haven't touched about and maybe that you want to um, let the listener know? God, you know, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here today. It's been a lot of fun talking to you guys. Um, you know, I would just say that it, I really think it's just a fun story to read. Um, I, I feel like, you know, uh, it touches on some themes that are uh, – uh, interesting and important. You know, I think a lot of time uh, people who don't really value the horror genre think it's just tripe and it's just, you know, girls in tight sweaters getting hacked to death. Mm-hmm. And it's really not true. And so, you know, I didn't go into writing Old Hollow thinking of a bunch of different themes that I wanted to hit, but I feel like it does a good job of talking about some important things like you know, um, the impact that combat and war has on the men and women who have to fight those wars, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sense of brotherhood that is brought out during an extreme uh, happening like war or battle. And then, you know, one of the other things I really liked about this story was and it's something that I feel like is kind of lost in today's society is that Lawson has a real sense of honor. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he, he is not a pragmatist in a lot of ways. Uh, And he, when, when, when the shit's about to hit the fan at the end of the book and Jordy is ready to abandon uh, the people that have helped them escape from the town, um, you know, Lawson is like, listen, we can't just abandon these people or our word doesn't mean anything. And, um, you know, giving your word to someone that you love and care for is one thing. And that's important. But I think a real test of giving your word is when you have to uh, stand up for someone who's supposed to be your enemy and you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And so I think that's an important theme that, um, is in the story. And that's what I was talking about earlier is that you kind of sense that from him at the beginning of the story without actually going too much into detail as to why he's like that. But you kind of, you get that feeling from him. 
Yeah. Well, you guys are saying all the things that I want to hear as a writer, you know, I'm glad that you felt like there was tension and you kind of get a sense that there's something wrong at the beginning, but you're not really sure what it is. So, I mean, that's all great stuff. I really appreciate the feedback and I'm so happy you guys uh, enjoyed the book and I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to read it. I know you must get lots of requests to read books. And uh, so thank you so much for taking the time. Well, it's our pleasure. So I just want to ask you just a couple of, just a couple more questions real quick. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so we talked about some influences already, but did you, um, what were like some possible old school um, influences for you? Like, was it HP Lovecraft or something like that? Or what kind of influences did you have? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can really be a horror writer today and not, uh, not have read Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, he he's a he was a great writer, and you know he wrote in a very stylistic way. He had his own style, that's for sure, and he was a great storyteller. Um, I don't know if there were any horror writers that um, influenced me for this story. I will say that I was a uh, I'm de- definitely dating myself here, but. I've always loved historical fiction <clears throat> and one of my favorite historical fiction writers is a guy named John Jakes who his heyday was kind of in the late seventies and up through the late eighties. And he wrote a bunch of novels, including a trilogy that takes place during the civil war called North and South. And I think they made, they made it like a TV series out of it in the eighties. Um, and so I read all those books, um, a number of times in my teen years. And so they had a a definite impact on me as a writer. Um, And then, you know, I'm a huge fan of Richard Matheson uh, and and King Matheson, because he's kind of the King of the, the twist at the end, you know, he wrote a lot of stuff for the twilight zone. And uh, so, you know, and then probably my favorite all time, horror writer is William Peter Blatty just because he wrote the book that is the scariest movie ever, the exorcist. And he was a brilliant writer. Um, so I think all those guys, you can't read that stuff and not have it influence what you write as well. Um, so yeah, they're kind of my main influences. Is there anything on the horizon that's going to be coming out? Anything you're working on? Well, yeah. So I, um, I'm always writing, um, just not the last couple of months. <laughs> work work has been really busy, so I have not been able to force myself to sit down and write. But I'm actually usually really disciplined about it. I usually write five days a week and get about a thousand words a day. Um, it's a little tough when you work full time and you're married and have a five year old. Um, but uh, yeah, to answer your question, I uh, I finished a uh, a novel um, in the fall. Uh, which is tentatively titled The Strange Nighttime Journey of Father Stephen Marlowe. And so I'm trying to land a literary agent, get representation for that uh, book and and hopefully get a book deal. And then um, while I'm shopping that around, I'm also uh, working on the second draft of a uh, of a book that is it's called it's tentatively entitled dark frequencies and you guys will like this it's about this guy he's an accountant he's a really kind of weak wimpy guy who uh you know he's married to a woman who's really domineering he just he's just got a miserable existence 
And uh, she makes him go antiquing with him one day. And um, you could probably imagine what a horrible experience that would be. Uh, and so he's bored out of his mind trying to avoid this woman he's married to that he can't stand. Uh, and so he finds his way into the basement of this antique shop and he finds this old 1940s like cabinet radio. It's a, a Zenith radio. Like there's old beautiful wooden radios that you can't get anymore. And so he falls in love with it and he brings it home and he starts to restore it and he becomes kind of obsessed with it. And then of course it starts to come to life and talk to him and tell him to do things and you know the things that tells him to do are not nice in any way so that's kind of what i'm working on right now uh are there any like obviously you're busy as a writer in a full-time day job but um old hollow is you know story coming out in 2018 are there other like horror movies or short stories uh novels that are coming out you know this year the past couple of years that you're like you have to read this if you're doing this right now or like you've really gravitated towards as a writer yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm a big fan of Dan Simmons. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's a brilliant horror and suspense writer, and he writes a lot of what I would term historical horror. Um, there's a great TV show on AMC right now called The Terror, and Ooh. I'm reading it. I just started it today on the bus on the way home from work, and so that is a um, it, it's he's a brilliant writer. He wrote The Song of Kali and, and um, uh, God, what else did he write? He, he wrote another big one that, oh, uh, Carrie and Comfort. Um, so I've really enjoyed the books of his uh, that I've read. Um, I've seen a couple of really great horror movies lately. I'm really picky about the horror movies I watch because um, I almost never watch like serial killer type stuff because it doesn't scare me. I don't get scared by jump scares. Um, I almost always read, write, and watch supernatural horror. And so I watched um, – I watched a movie called The Ritual on Netflix that I thought was great. And then I, I saw another uh, movie called The Hollow that takes place. They're both independent movies. Um, they both take place in Europe, and they both use European casts. Um, they're really good. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. Oh, and I've been watching – I've been, been binge-watching uh, Bates Motel, um, which is just – a I just think it's a great show. It's great writing. Vera Farmiga is such a great actress and she's really great in this genre. If you've seen the conjuring or something like, or any of those other movies she's been in, she's really great in those types of roles. All right. So, um, any final questions guys for Ambrose? I was just going to ask, uh, Ambrose, uh, for, um, for the listeners out there, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, where can they find you, um, uh, do you have anything going on that they can, uh, they can, I, I saw that you had some signings and other stuff, uh, in the previous months. Are you, do you have anything coming up? Well, I'm trying to book some more signings. You know, one of the, the things, uh, about being a, a writer with a, with a, a small indie publisher is you have to really partner with the publisher to really, you know, hit the bricks and, and, um, you know, market your book. So, you know, talking to guys like you is really helpful. Um, so as soon as I have more book signings arranged, I will blog about them and tweet about them and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I'm actually going on vacation uh, this uh, next week, uh, so I'm going to take a break from all of this. Um, but, uh, yeah, as soon as I 
have something going there, uh, I'll uh, I'll update everybody. Uh, usually, I I update on my blog ambrostoliker.wordpress.com, uh, or uh, you can reach me at uh, at amstoliker on uh, on uh, Twitter, and I have a Facebook page too. It's all it's all you know connected. All right. So Ambrose, I want to go ahead and thank you once again for joining us. And I want to encourage everyone listening to go out there and and get your hands on on Old Hollow. Uh, I will leave a description for the for the um, blog or for your for your website um, and for the Amazon where you can find it on Amazon. Anywhere else they can find the the book at? Yeah, it's in all kind of the normal places. Um, you know, Barnes and Noble, and I think it's in Apple and. Uh, yeah, all the normal places that you would you would find it's it's available. Okay, well, once again, like I said, thank you very much for joining us, and we hope to to hear from you again when um, your your novel comes out or your next novella or the sequel or prequel for Old Hollow comes out. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. It was a blast talking to you. Well, I want to go ahead and thank all of you guys for listening for joining us here today on the show and go out there and support Ambrose and support anyone who's uh, appeared on the show here for Creators of the Crypt um, portion of Nurture the Crypt podcast. And um, let us know what you thought of the story or let us know what you thought of the, of the episode. Thank you guys. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.